What is up, my beautiful people? We are back. This is Deconstructing. My name is Curtis Cooper, and I am joined by the vivacious Delaney Harris. Hey, guys. How are you? Guess they can't respond. How are you, Curtis? <laughs> I am doing pretty good, if I may awesome. speak for myself. How are you doing, though? I am doing so good. I am so glad that Christmas break is like a few days away. I'm oh, man. It is. We're on the precipice yes. of the best holiday of the year, in my personal opinion. Yes, I have to agree. I think it's just like the attitude everyone gets at this time of year is mm-hmm. wonderful. I love it. Now, if I had to rank them, it would go, it would go Christmas, Halloween, then Thanksgiving. Christmas, Halloween. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. Now, I understand there's some edgy people out there who are like, oh, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. And I'm like, well, first of all, you're lying because I don't believe you. <laughs> um, second of all, like Halloween just the vibes. Halloween Unless you're is like, so much fun. Yeah, there's just, it's just fun vibes. And like, we've already deconstructed Halloween. That's done. It's, it's lying on the floor, deconstructed. Mm-hmm. Um, so go check out that episode if you haven't heard it before. It's our very first episode. Um, but today, Dell, we're bringing it back to uh, something a little bit more hardcore Adventist. Ooh, okay. Because we grew up Seventh-day Adventists, evangelicals, mm-hmm. and Adventists have a few more wrinkles than your typical evangelical does. Right. And they will lo- they love to tell you about those wrinkles, don't they? They're like, oh, we're so different. We're better. Yeah. They're very, yeah. Uh, very, yeah. Yeah. Very narrow-minded. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've experienced my share of elitism um, yeah. being an Adventist in my, in my past. So I, mean, I was never, I was never really an Adventist, but like I grew up around it. And like, I definitely like felt that a lot with the elitism. So I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but go on. today... Let's talk conspiracy theories. Let's do it. Now, this is one of the many that I feel like would be even better with a panel of people. And we might do a part two. I feel mm-hmm. like we need to hire like a fan to keep track <laughs> of every time we're like, hey, we should do a part two. Because like, I, get... I literally... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. We need, to, we need to get fans first, but then yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, according to, uh, according to our uh, client that we use, we have at least 30. That is true. We do have a pretty solid listener base. And thank you, wonderful listeners. Give yourselves a round of applause because this is a thing now. (laughs) Um, But anyway, um, I was talking to one of my friends who listens and she was like, yeah, uh, your your podcast is great. But every time you or Delaney was like, hey, I'm talking about this, but I'll get back to it later in the podcast. And then we never do sometimes. <gasps> I never thought about that. Oh my goodness. Like, this would be so I think, annoying. I think, I think me and you have both done that. So for sure. We just have to remember, like, hey, don't leave the good people hanging on our yes. Because they want to know all of our wonderful opinions. Yeah, that must be so annoying. I feel so bad now. <laughs> well, I mean, we both have limited experience podcasting. So. True. I'm gonna start keeping notes like on my phone throughout the episode. Well, you don't have to keep like super detailed notes, but if one of us just says like, hey, I'll get back to this, just write that down. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. 
Okay. We awesome. have to get back to that before the episode ends. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. After that bit of housekeeping, um, Dell, what mm. is your experience or knowledge of Adventists and conspiracy theories in terms of their religion? Okay. So... I grew up around Seventh-day Adventist. I think the vast majority of my extended family is Seventh-day Adventist. And my parents were Seventh-day Adventist, but they raised me non-denominational. And so like, I was like acquainted with the religion. They weren't practicing as a kid. Like we went to church Mm -hmm. a couple of years of my childhood and that was like it. Um, But I was definitely like like acquainted with like some of the beliefs. And I think the biggest like conspiracy theory that I've heard that I still don't understand is that um, there is this conspiracy theory, which you probably know more about, but I'll just delve into what I do know. That theory is that um, the there's there's an end of the times of end of time on Earth. There's going to be a beast who is technically like the devil of sorts, and he is going to at least a malevolent force. Yes, I'm a loving force. And he is going to manifest himself in two different figures. And those figures are the Pope of the Catholic Church and the United States government. And I never understood why to me, like, I grew up believing the Pope was a man of God. And so, like, hearing this was, like, absolutely, like, shocking to me. And then I also grew up thinking that, like, religion in the country wasn't that intermingled and so it was very confused to this day i'm kind of baffled by the concept but Mm -hmm. um it's definitely a conspiracy theory and i was actually at a party recently where someone was who was there thought i was seventh adventist and was giving me kind of like the lowdown on all of that and i was like like this is brand new information kind of an attitude (laughs) and then he was like do you not know all of this i was like no i'm not a seventh adventist and he was shocked and um he talked for like an hour straight about this and I learned a lot from that conversation, but hmm. what's your knowledge, Curtis? All right. Can I ask you a question first? Hit Another me. question. Go for it. I feel like, I feel like all these episodes start with me berating you with questions and uh, <laughs> you take them in stride, which is why uh, you're my co-host. Um, so, okay. You said that, and you've said it multiple times, multiple episodes that yeah. you were not raised like strictly Adventist. Right. Do you think that because of that you have less to deconstruct than like someone like I do? Or do you just think that you have different things to deconstruct? I think I have different things to deconstruct. Um, because so, like, Advent, there's not like, okay. The religion, religion isn't all bad and Adventism isn't no. all bad. There are a lot of no. great things in that religion. And I think there's a lot of great things in religion that were taught that I didn't have access to a whole lot um Mm -hmm. my my mom did a really great job of teaching me how to like decide things for myself like Mm -hmm. the state of the dead stuff like that but um coming out of evangelical christian because i was still evangelical growing up and that Mm -hmm. is like a lot of deconstructing oh yeah yeah and i think a lot of that too like the character of god um I think Adventists do a good job in portraying him in a lot of ways as kind. I know there's a lot of debate about that because like they believe being gay is a sin, which is not a kind or loving way of thinking of God. But Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other ways that God is kind and loving in their religion and the way they teach and talk about him. And I think I know how how God cares about like your personal well-being and like your mental health through like Sabbath teachings and all that. Yeah. Yes. And I think, oh, and diet too is a fantastic end of Adventism like the health message overall um, mm-hmm. 
some of it's a little bit backwards, but a lot of it is <laughs> a little a wonky. Great, a little wonky, but a lot of it's like a great, um, I guess, like foundation to go off of. And so I think I definitely have different things to deconstruct, but I don't think it's less. I think it's mm. just different. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, that was just kind of a tangent, but I appreciate, I appreciate your willingness to follow the tangents. I appreciate you asking. So now tell me about your Adventist conspiracy theories that you grew up hearing a lot about. Okay, well, shall we start with the one that you mentioned? Like, it is by far the biggest one that like, is not even, Adventists don't think of it as conspiracy theory. They think of it as doctrine. Right. And I've um, even that, said, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I've even said like in conversation with someone, um, that like, oh, it's an interesting theory when someone and they go, oh, it's not a theory, it's fact. And I've yeah, always it's like, like biblical truth. <laughs> I've always struggled with that because I'm just like, how can we say that's fact? Like it's not just <laughs> a theory. But yeah, go on. Well, actually reflecting a little bit back on that. Um I, w- I wonder too if like the, the concept between fact and theory, if like looking at that, I wonder how much it's because um, oh, growing up, like to me, everything was theory, like religion wise and like um, even like uh, like political wise. So I wonder a little bit about maybe you can answer this question more thoroughly when it comes to Seventh Day Adventism. I wonder how much of it is, I guess, like truly like taught as law and how much of it is like a theory um in their own belief if that makes sense it's radio silence because curtis's mic is not working (laughs) so it's just me can you hear me yes (laughs) sorry i think i flipped i think i flipped and accidentally muted myself you're good because like it went like completely quiet and I was like oh maybe something <laughs> happened in his end so I'm just to fill the dead space and then I was like I can't feel it anymore <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> I like, just like back, I can't though. feel you anymore I know welcome back thank you thank you yeah. um and uh, kind of like starting to break down the whole like what you mentioned about like revelation and like the beasts and like America and the the Catholic Church and the Pope, like there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. Um, and at least in terms of the Adventist interpretation of that, we have two chapters that they that mainly talk about that in the Bible that they kind of extrapolate. Um, and then there's some tertiary chapters too. So, okay, we got Daniel chapter seven and uh, Revelation 13, um, which mainly talk about like, oh, beasts and Mm -hmm. political figures and nations and stuff like that. So basically, um, Daniel chapter seven is viewed by Avenus to be a more detailed version of Daniel chapter two, which you've heard of, which is Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. King, the Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream Mm -hmm. and there's a statue and the statue has different parts to it. Okay. Um, And those parts um, kind of signify different nations. And um, the head is Babylon, which is the current time that Nebuchadnezzar lives. And then at the very bottom, you have the toes that are mixed with iron and clay. 
which um, the common Avenus interpretation of that is the mixing of European nations. Oh. And there's 10 toes, and Avenists typically attribute that to 10 tribes um, oh. that kind of made up like the European nations, like after or during the fall of the Roman Empire. Got you. Okay. Now, in Daniel chapter 7, these nations are referred to as beasts. And in the Avenist tradition, these beasts are the same nations as in the statue. And so when we get to the last beast, the last beast is like this dragon thing with like a bunch of teeth, a bunch of horns, 10 horns specifically. Okay. And the 10 horns, uh, according to Avenists, um, are the same as the 10 tribes of Europe that split up from the Roman Empire. Okay. Are we following so far? Yes, we okay. are. Okay, awesome. Um, and for, for all the hardcore, either former or current Avenists listening to this, it'll be like, I have literally heard this a million times. And I apologize, but we'll, we'll, we'll continue breezing through this so we can talk about it. Um, and so then in the story of that beast, um, three of the horns are uprooted and in their place is a little horn. Okay. And that little horn has a face and speaks, quote-unquote, blasphemies, according to Daniel. And um, this little horn power is um, kind of interpreted by Avenists to mean papal power within the Catholic Church. Not the Catholic Church itself, but the organization of the papacy. Oh, okay. The order, well, the order of you. popes. And yes. that's where the whole pope is the problem kind of thing. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So... Um, then um, there's a lot that, go that goes into this. Um, <laughs> there's also like a 1260 day prophecy. Oh. Um, in, uh, it's either Daniel or Revelation. Like you can easily find all of this stuff on Avenus websites. So okay. um, if you aren't aware of this, then definitely look it up. Um, but basically the 1260 day prophecy, um, Avenists interpret it as starting in I believe it's 538 BC when a Roman emperor actually installs the Catholic Church as the state religion. Okay, got you. And then for 1260 years, the Roman Church is quote unquote in power. And then I believe it's 1798. Um, it's one of the European kings, I believe it's, it's either the British or the French king imprisons the Pope. And oh, okay and gives the papacy slash the beast power a deadly wound. And in Revelation, it talks about um, how that the beast is wounded and then the wound is healed. And Avenists interpret the beast being healed as the Roman Catholic Church slash papacy returning to power. Okay. And in doing so, um, the papacy then will co-mingle with um, another beast, which is, um, I believe it's the beast of the land, which is, okay, so in Revelation 13, there are two beasts. One comes out of the sea, one comes out of the land. I believe the land beast is the US, the United States. 
according to Avenir. Okay. And the beast that comes out of the water, I, I believe they interpret it as being uh, water meaning people. Oh. And so it comes out of the masses because the masses prop up the uh, Roman Catholic Church because it's made of people. And these two beasts um, kind of co-mingle and bring about what is referred to as the end of probation, which in Adventist um, end time theory is when um, the window for accepting Jesus and being saved closes. Once wow. probation closes, no one can be saved. And okay. this is not this is not when Jesus comes back. This is before I, that. That's a load. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a load of what though? Oh, I can't say that here, but you know what. <laughs> well, I mean, we never explicitly said that no one can curse, but uh, it's true. I'm cursing. Maybe we're just the saving the let's save those for a rainy day. We'll save those for a rainy day. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so basically. Um, have you heard of the Sunday law? I've heard of it. I don't understand it, but I've heard of it. Yes. Okay. So this is where we start talking about the Sunday law. So, oh, um, uh, I think a passage, oh, it's, it's either in Daniel seven or revelation 13, or maybe both of them where it talks about the beast, which people interpret as the papacy, the beast quote unquote, thinks to change times and laws. Okay. And according to Adventists, what law is also a time? Well, that would be the seventh day Sabbath. Ah, oh, the seventh and day Sabbath. And so not only do um, Adventists believe that the papacy slash Roman church is responsible for changing Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday, they also believe that due to complex political future reasons, the papacy will align with America, which is the other beast, and institute a law where everyone has to worship on Sundays. And Adventists will be persecuted and sab quote unquote Sabbath keepers will be persecuted as a result. Oh. Oh my. And, and, uh, so then, and this, this will be after probation closes. So once the Sunday law hits, Del, probation closes, and whoever's saved is saved, and whoever's not is not. Oh Reg even, though, even though, according to um, this Adventist theory, people will still be alive and able to make choices, but it'll just be locked in, which I, I think is absolute garbage. But, absolute um, garbage. And just uh, like as a quick thing, I want to yes. do an episode on this whole Sabbath Sunday issue because I have very very strong opinions on it but we'll come back to that in a different oh, episode yes. yes Ooh, man we're we're just we're just about to deconstruct all of adventism and make a bunch of people angry it's gonna be great everything yes and maybe we'll make a few people feel seen just a few <laughs> <laughs> a, a mighty minority <laughs> um okay so then um the beast is at the is at the like head of um, the world. And okay, um, in terms of like who the beast is. So the beast is obviously not Satan. In okay. Adventism, they kind of think of it like an unholy trinity. The unholy okay. trinity consists of Satan, the beast, 
the beast of revelation being the papacy and the little slash the little horn power and the false prophet now i i've heard a couple different interpretations but the most uh the most common one i've heard for who the false prophet is the false prophet is non-catholic christian denominations who worship on sunday and kind of like kind of like fall for the quote-unquote false doctrine of sunday okay that would be the false prophet being false doctrine according to adventist tradition got you so yeah, all of these forces are kind of like intermingling at the end. Probation's closed. Adventists are being persecuted, um, like killed, thrown in jail. And then eventually up in heaven, God's like, well, that's enough. I guess I'll come back now and send my son. And Jesus comes back. The, uh, the wicked are annihilated and the righteous, both living and dead, are brought up to heaven. Okay. So, Dell, that is quite a theory. That is quite a theory, and there are so many mini theories in that theory. <laughs> so, Dell, give me give me your top top level reactions to okay. me explaining, like a honestly a cornerstone of Adventist theology to you, and like obviously, like if anybody's angry that I got one slight little thing wrong, I'm sorry. Um, I guess you can comment, but comment respectfully because the purpose of this is not for me to perfectly describe Adventist theology the purpose of this is for me to get the broad strokes right and to talk about conspiracy theories absolutely okay so looking at what you just told me you did an excellent job first of all at explaining it without assuming that I knew like bits and pieces and that's rare usually when it's explained to me there's a bunch of stuff I'm assumed to have known that I have no idea about but you did a very good job of explaining it Quite thank thoroughly. you. So, well, thank you. I appreciate the the intent there. And so, going from that, I would say that um, I think it the 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 theory itself. I can understand how they came to that conclusion. At the same time, though, it's kind of far fetched, and I don't think that's what the prophecy is talking about. Mm. My personal opinion. But we can do another episode about prophecy another time. So I mean, there. I feel like, I feel like we we can do that, but we can also touch on it here. Oh, for sure. Um, yes. But uh, go ahead and continue, and then I will touch on prophecy when you're done reacting to this. Awesome. Okay. So that being said, about um, uh, the the prophecy being, I think, misinterpreted. I will say that that the the concept that Christ is going to close the door for anyone to accept him to me is not very Christ-like, and so I would say. I reject the theory. Mm. And I mean, it seems like because Adventists are big fans of like uh, debunking the idea of eternal hell mm. because they're yeah. like, oh, it's counter to the character of God. And I'm like, I 100% agree with you. We yes. talked about it, I believe, last week. We did. Um, and I hope that these episodes get put in that order. I know. When they're released. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then if you if with with your same breath you say oh yeah there will be a time where god's just like yeah you all are still alive but i'm not gonna accept anymore right like screw that no that's not anything like the god at least not the god i know personally and so i feel like i feel like sometimes you can we can say we're we're in the same religion and not actually worship the same godhead because of their concept and grasp of god is different 
fiery. I like it. I know. Controversial. I'm going to get hate for that, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at the same time, like the, we, we labeled this podcast deconstructing and there's already a stigma around the idea of deconstructing. So I doubt too many like hardcore people are going to listen to a deconstructing podcast. Right. Yep. Absolutely. It is, it is designed to be somewhat controversial. <laughs> Because uh, we, we got to swim in that controversy a little bit so we can kind of suss out what we think. Yeah, definitely. Because if, if we just set a bunch of like standard, like, oh, everybody believes this stuff, then no one will listen to that. That's true. And I wouldn't want to talk about it. It'd be like, oh, yeah, hey, Dell, do you believe that murder is wrong? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, me too. There okay. we go. Fair enough. Stud. <laughs> Podcast is over. Yep, that's it. The end. <laughs> Okay. So were there, were there any other specific points of the theory that you wanted to comment on before I mentioned something about prophecy? Sure. I will say this, not so much of the theory, but a little small comment about the prophecy too. I have a bent and maybe it's because I'm in the, the mental health field, but I have a bent that a lot of the prophecy is about a mental battle we'll have and a mental kind of turmoil we'll go through and not so much mm. actual physical countries and people. That will be yeah. against one another but mm-hmm. yeah so i think that's where a lot of my I, my um opinion that it's been misinterpreted lies in that but tell me yeah, about just like just think. like pe- people taking like figurative language and like trying to make it as like realistic and literal as possible exactly yes yeah. so i think a lot of it has to do with like for example, there's a I don't know if it's a saying or a Bible verse. I can't remember. I think it's a Bible verse, but it says that the time of the end is gonna be a time of trouble such as the world has never seen. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, well, it's never happened before, but it says the world has never seen because we haven't seen it. It's not been visible because it's Ooh. not a visible battle, it is a internal battle. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's my two cents. What do you think? Um, okay. Um so there's a lot to break down with this theory and this is not a theology podcast as i'm sure everyone has realized up to this point (laughs) um but um i do have a lot of experience like listening to sermons about this and kind of like um seeing the text surrounding this and Mm. i mean i think every religion slash people slash culture is more efficient when they have something to be scared of that's literal okay because like telling people like oh yeah like we're we're uh we gotta watch out for satan well satan is intangible from what we can tell right at least from our dimension and um there's not a lot to grasp onto there because satan in the bible is incredibly vague way vaguer than anyone would have you believe and we don't we we do not know how satan operates um And how that kind of truly like works with the machinations of like a loving God. So, and I don't even necessarily think that this was born out of a like conscious desire to control people. But I think that sometimes this is just how culture like naturally skews because we're humans and we have like human nature. Um, So um, uh, sometimes off sometimes prophecy can kind of be like a self-fulfilling type of thing we're like oh yeah i'm looking for this specific thing 
And if you're looking for that specific thing, you're going to find that specific thing, no matter how much scripture you have to read into to find it. Right. Um, so I think that um, picking like the biggest world Christian religion and the one that just so happens to have the most contrary views to Adventists as like the quote unquote boogeyman is pretty convenient. Yeah. Especially because, um, because there's so many other ways that um, Adventists kind of critique Catholicism as well. Because like Catholicism still holds to like, oh yeah, like heaven and hell are both both exist right now, and there are people in both right now. And so it's kind of easy for Adventists to be like, okay, all of our beliefs are way cooler, nicer versions of ca- Catholic beliefs. Like, oh, you don't want to believe in an eternal hell? Like, we got you. You want to believe in a God that, like, actually cares about your mental health through Sabbath keeping? We got you. You just got to switch the day. So I think that in that sense, it's pretty, it's pretty, like, convenient. Um, Yes. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I think from, like, a why, why it kind of exists and why people continue to, like, emphasize it. And just the fact that, like, people like conspiracy theories me and you like conspiracy theories they're interesting they are interesting yes i used to spend hours just listening to different conspiracy theories just for fun mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that being said oh go ahead you were gonna say oh something? i was gonna say i think our minds are designed to kind of try to solve puzzles and that's part of why um we're fascinated by conspiracy theories and sometimes our minds try to solve puzzles that aren't even there the that puzzles themselves don't exist. Therefore, they don't have any real solutions. And right. that is what a lot of conspiracy theories are. It's like, yes. you're looking for something that ain't there. Yep. But yeah. Um, Del, what do you think, what is your relationship to prophecy in general? Just to like go back to what we were, what we said we were going to touch on touch a little on. bit. <laughs> um, prophecy, like, um, how, what do you mean by the question? like just biblical prophecy what do you what do you think what is your relationship to that like what what do you think the purpose of like biblical prophecy like figurative languages i think biblical prophecy a lot of it is about promises and i think that like the promise of a savior coming and like when you when christ was born it's like if you look back at the prophecies leading up to his birth like they're so like direct promising a savior in the way he was born Mm -hmm. And it's incredible. And same with a couple other prophecies that are found in the Bible about things to come. A lot of it's about promises. I don't, I think sometimes there is a warning in it, but I think there's always a promise like written into the warning. And mm-hmm. so it's not so much like, oh, like I promise like this bad thing's going to happen. It's, it's more of a, in order for eternity to reach to us, in order for, um, I don't know what the, the Christian word is for, um heaven i mean i know for heaven but for like that state of being in order for it to get to us we have to go through turmoil i think that's what the bible's talking about with prophecy i don't think it's telling us about like a specific person or a specific being that's going to come i think it's Mm -hmm. more about um about promising about eternity honestly yeah and something that's been consistent throughout history and throughout the bible is god saying okay let me give you like a vague idea of what's going to happen for this prophecy and people just misinterpreting the living heck out of it. Yep. Like the, the, the Israelite theological machine 
was so corrupt that they thought that the complete opposite was going to happen, that Jesus was going to come down with an army and conquer the Romans for them. Right. And like they memorized the Torah. They knew <laughs> word for word what it said. And yet right. they still believed and saw what they wanted to saw, wanted, wanted to see. Right. And same thing with like the great disappointment, like 1844, going to touch lightly on that. Basically, early Adventists believed that Jesus was going to come in exactly, um, in exactly 1844, October, October 22nd. And spoiler alert, he didn't come. Nope. He um, didn't. And that was based off of a 2300 day prophecy, which is in a different book of Daniel or a different chapter of Daniel that you can look up. Um, but even the Adventist church has a history of like misinterpreting prophecy. Right. And a lot of people are like, oh, you got to be careful. Like you got to, you got to pay attention to our biblical prophecy. Cause if you don't know what's going to happen, then you're going to be lost and confused mm. and Satan's going to get you in the end. Cause like he'll fool everybody. And I'm like, well, first of all, like this, this is not congruent because on one hand you're like, oh yeah, prophecy is ever changing and evolving. And like, we have this concept of like present truth where like the truth we're constantly searching for it. Um, and only God knows the truth but at the same time. You're like, oh yeah, like our, what our current understanding is basically like rock solid. Mm. And like, oh, that's just, it's such a cognitive dissonance of like, oh, I believe one thing and I do a completely different thing. And like, that is, if you want to know like the, the number one thing this podcast is fighting against it's cognitive dissonance <laughs> honestly like, yes like here's 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 what i'm gonna say and i'm i guarantee 100 percent delaney's gonna endorse me okay if you believe something then live it out and say it with your full chest yes like 1, if you believe percent. if you believe that your that your prophecy is rock solid and impervious to critique then say it yes. but if you believe like hey like i don't really know like what prophecy was meant for or like it's really fluid in the bible about like how god uses it then mm -hmm. say that yep and don't try to like force this stuff down people's throats to scare them into like ascribing to your specific theology right absolutely and I, I haven't, I don't know, this might get a lot of backlash, but I, I have a theory too, that with a lot of different um, convictions that we're given, we're not, often that's not, we're not given that conviction because that, that belief is true, but more so that because we need to believe that, that, that thought or belief or way of thinking is correct for a different purpose. Um, I know I, uh, my grandfather, actually, I can say who it was, he didn't carry a gun in World War II. Because he, mm. or Vietnam, oh shoot, which war was it? <laughs> I think it was Vietnam. <laughs> I think it was Vietnam. He didn't carry a gun in Vietnam because he believed that um, when he, like he would be killing, it would be murder. And then in his old so he age. So like, he was a conscientious objector. Yes. Kind of like Desmond Doss, if you know. Yeah. Desmond yeah. Doss, yeah. So Hacksaw Ridge for the, the non-Abinists. <laughs> yes. Yes. The main character in that. In um in his old age though, like this summer, he was talking to me, and he he's he's a Seventh Day Adventist, and in his in his old age, he's kind of like I guess deconstructed honestly a lot of his beliefs, and he mm. was sitting with me, and he was he said, Delaney, do you believe that it's wrong to kill, like to carry a gun? I said, No, I don't, and he said, Okay, so 
maybe maybe I was wrong then for believing that. And me and his wife, my grandmother, both were like, oh, no. And he was like, well, what do you mean? If it's if it's right, like it's either right or it's wrong. Either I was right to not carry my gun or I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, no, it's possible that you or someone you knew there in Vietnam needed to see your faith. And that even though maybe it wasn't killing that was a sin, but you needed to demonstrate your faith for a higher purpose. So that conviction might not have been about killing. That conviction may have just been about acting out what God had asked you to do. So someone could see that extreme faith and it could mean salvation for them in a different area. And I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of times when it comes to our um, conspiracy theories, that's a lot of times what it's rooted in is we have belief because it's for a higher purpose rather than this is how the world's going to end that's not actually what the belief's about it's for a higher purpose and so i think that a lot of people who have these beliefs it's not necessarily bad what's bad actually is what you said shoving it down someone else's throat Mm. because they don't have that conviction for a reason whether it's because the holy spirit didn't convict them of that or they're not in tune with the holy spirit or maybe it's just they have different conviction for a different reason we don't know and so mm-hmm. what we only know is what the Holy Spirit has told us as individuals. And so that's a long rant about that. But that's my opinion about why people are convicted of some crazy stuff. Yeah. And why they're, some people are like convinced, like this is from God and maybe it is, but it doesn't mean that God's telling me the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, I think that there's, there's pretty like, there's plenty of ways that you can put like your own theories, like through a test to determine like, Hey, is this something that I should be like preaching or is it something that like mm-hmm. is fine for me to believe and it enriches my spiritual life, but like, it's not necessary to try to force this on people. Right. Um, and let's see, what was I going to say? Um, with like bigger, like organized religions, it's hard when like tradition dictates that you believe certain like prophecies and like you don't even see them as conspiracy theories but i mean if you believe that something is happening politically that no one knows about that will impact the entire world later down the line that's a conspiracy theory yes definitely um but yeah um this oh i know what i was gonna say with um like determining how you should kind of interact with like your own beliefs and your own theories. It's imperative to think about who will this impact? Yes. And with, I think that it, I do not have any issue with people believing this, um, this papal conspiracy theory. But I do think that the biggest, most important thing that I would take away from it, if I believed it, was not to like, okay, I know how everything's going to happen. And I know what signs to look for. And I know not to trust Catholic people. That's all garbage. Don't do that. No, Um, that's very uh, narrow-minded. Yeah. And something I do want to mention that probably like directly ties in to why Adventists believe this way is... Um, American history was dictated largely like in the early part, at least by a great distrust of Catholics Mm. because as we all know, Protestants came over from Britain to kind of protest 
Catholicism and Anglic Anglicanism, which is basically diet Catholicism. Um, and they did not trust Catholic teachings or Catholic people. And that extended well into like the mid like 1900s. I, I remember, cause I have a different podcast where I talk about presidents with my uh, cousin Brad. It's called uh, Ranking the Presidents. Look it up on Spotify. Um, <laughs> and there was a presidential candidate in like 19, in the 19 like teens, I think. And he was a Catholic. He wasn't like a super outspoken Catholic, but the, uh, he was eviscerated in the polls because he was a Catholic. And oh. jur journalists would run these stories about how like if he was elected president, he would run a secret tunnel under the White House that directly connects with the Vatican. Oh my goodness, what? <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, first of all, that is a marvel of engineering. If you can, if you can get that done, good for you. Wow. That's, but yeah, like, wow. <laughs> since, since like the 1600s, when like people came over on the Mayflower and stuff, mm -hmm. and um, they were trying to quote unquote escape religious persecution, they did not trust Catholics. And the whole idea of like America adopting like the Catholic Church and like being more tolerant at least is a very recent thing. And I realized that like some people would use that as evidence to be like, oh, you see, it's getting closer to like fulfilling the prophecy and mm -hmm. the president's going to bow before the Pope in like 20 or 30 years. And then the end shall come. And I'm like, or society is just shifting and becoming more tolerant in some ways. Right. Yeah. And I think we forget about how, because we understand that our world changes our understand, like even just like 60 years ago, our our whole like world has shifted so much in its culture and it's in society just for like in America alone even and I think we forget that religion's going to do the same and yep. that it's going to always be constantly growing and changing it doesn't mean it's wrong now or then it means that we're we're growing we're evolving which is like super important to mm -hmm. maintaining like I guess like humanity but Delaney evolution is bad oh god here we go <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to do that that episode. Oh yeah, that's gonna be a good episode. Evolution. <laughs> Evolution oh versus creation, and if uh, the two can coexist. Yes. What a fire um, episode! We should do that. Ooh. We should put that to the queue. Yep. Yep. I need to add that one. Yes. Okay. Um. Let's see. There are many more ominous conspiracy theories that I could touch on. Um. I did, and I did touch on a couple of them, like the twenty three hundred days, and like the great disappointment. Um, but I feel like we've, we've at least skimmed the surface enough. Yes, definitely. And that's, the, and we talked about our personal experiences with religious conspiracy theory. I will touch a little bit on broader evangelical conspiracy theory, um, because, um, broader evangelicals kind of hold to like the idea of like a rapture. I'm sure you've heard of this yes i have and basically they have they have all that tied to like specific like political things too just like avenus um except the avenus are like oh yeah that's super wrong and like we can prove it to you that that's wrong um so basically um broader evangelicals and like this is something that's kind of like cooled off since like the 90s um but it's definitely something that people still believe um basically that literal physical israel right it exists today it's existed since i believe 40 
1948, mm. um, that the Antichrist will take over Jerusalem and institute like seven years of tribulation. Wow. Now at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation, all of like the quote unquote saved people will be raptured up. And then the remaining people will have seven years to get their crap together and be saved as well. Because after the seven years, then Jesus will come back in his proper second coming. I, I heard you guys heard this theory recently, like, like two oh, weeks really? ago. That's yes. Fun. I've, I never heard it before. But I had a friend over and they were like talking about the rapture and I was like, well, explain. And they told me this isn't, this is fascinating. Go on. Sorry. Oh, well, no, like that, that was basically, that was basically the end of it. We're oh. like, <laughs> um, rapture happens. Um, Antichrist sits on uh, the throne uh, in Jerusalem. And uh, yeah, then, uh, then Jesus comes after seven years, seven literal years. Mm-hmm. And wow. what's, what's funny is like Adventists are like, oh yeah, like all those verses that you use for that is completely figurative and like, you shouldn't take it literally. Right. And I'm like, hmm. But what about their verses? <laughs> maybe we could like take a look at uh, everything and reassess it. But yes. Um, but yeah, um, I don't want Adventists to feel singled out because um, every religion has some level of conspiracy theory, in my opinion. And every person has conspiracy theories that they hold to. And transitioning out of that, unless, Stell, you had any more religious uh, comments about conspiracy theories. I don't think so. I think my religious conspiracy theories are about religious doubt. I'm good. Here's what I said. Here's what I'll say in finale to this part of the podcast. Regardless okay. of prophecy, regardless of what you think the Bible might say based off your interpretation, I want you to go away with this and that is that i firmly believe that the god i believe in knows what's going to come to pass is exists outside of time and in their infinite love they got you regardless mm. of what happens if you like accept god and even even if you don't verbally accept god if by your life, if God is reflected in your life and how you conduct yourself, yeah. then God has got you. And you don't have to worry about a bunch of weird conspiracy like politics people like tricking you into worshiping Satan. Because that's stupid. Right. All right. Moving on to part two, which is a more fun conversation. And a less... <laughs> Less of us just railing against like uh, religion, as we sometimes do, but we do it in love because we are both religious. We are. Um, Dell, what is your favorite, or at least one of your favorites? I'm gonna say both of us will pick two. What is your first favorite non-religious conspiracy theory? And you can either believe it or not believe it. Okay, so my favorite non-religious conspiracy theory is the one about the Denver airport in Colorado. Oh, I love this one. Please tell, tell us all about it. Okay. So I might get the details wrong. I'm going to do my best from what I remember because this is, I was fascinated with this theory like two or three years ago. So I mm -hmm. used to fly into the Denver airport like 
pretty frequently. I used to date someone across the country and I would fly to see them and I would often have layovers in Denver. And also my best friend is lives in Colorado. So I would go and mm -hmm. see her a lot and fly into the airport. And it is a massive airport in the middle mm -hmm. of like absolutely nowhere. And like I was the middle always, of the desert, right? Yes, like way out in the middle of nowhere. And it doesn't make any sense because it's like 30 minutes outside Denver. And why like like we have an airport here that's like in the middle of the city atlantis is the mm -hmm. middle of the city it's so why is it out in like the middle of nowhere it doesn't make any sense and so like my first time because i flew into the airport i didn't drive to the airport i flew into the airport and i remember like thinking like wow this is really out here like why is it so far out and it's also like really spread out like the airport itself like yes it's a huge airport but it's not like it's like a super busy airport it's just like i mean it's fairly busy it's a big like um layover i guess destination between the east coast and west coast but it's just like spread out which is just weird and so i was kind of like puzzled by that and then one day I was in the Denver airport and a suggestion on my YouTube page came up about the Denver airport and I mean, oh I yeah right it was a little documentary Let's go. yes on the airport and I, was, I was like that's kind of interesting like I happened to be in the airport let me like just like sit and watch this so I was waiting for my flight and I was just like sitting in the middle of the terminal watching this video and like as I'm watching like I'm getting freaked out because I'm in the airport they're talking about <laughs> so like <laughs> essentially there is this theory because when they built the airport, they built it way out in the middle of nowhere and they built like a massive uh, luggage system underneath the airport, supposedly. And mm -hmm. it was like, like a thousand, I think actually millions of dollars worth of equipment. And they used it for like a few, I think like a very short, I don't think it was even like a year. I think it was like a few weeks they used it Oh man! and then it broke and they're like, oh, we can't use it. And they never use it again. And it's like the entire basement of the airport is this system. It's millions of dollars and it's one small problem. Now it's suddenly not usable. That doesn't make any sense, right? Weird. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't you fix it? Now, I don't know if that's part of the theory or if that's like a confirmed end of the theory. Like if they actually said, yes, we did this. Or if that's just like someone said, you know, does that make sense? I don't know if that's actually confirmed. But regardless... There is this theory that the basement, oh, one more tiny detail across the airport. And I, I can say this is true. I've been there. There are tons of like futuristic paintings of like. Yeah, I've heard, to, yeah, I've heard the paintings are scary. There, so I'm in the airport hearing this and I'm like waiting for my flight. My flight's like boarding and I get up and I walk around like the terminal I'm in. like, see, And they're there. There's tons of like weird paintings. It's freaky, but anyway that's just like a little side like that just adds to the theory because the theory is that at the end of time the president is going to need a place to go and to conduct business and that he is going to go to the denver airport and into the basement and live there with his whole team and that's like an underground like safe space what? for the i know for the government and that's why all the futuristic paintings that's why it's in the middle of nowhere that's why like all this unused space is like supposedly taken up by a luggage system i don't think the system exists i think that that was just an excuse for the to be a oh, unused space i know so that is my favorite theory what okay. are your thoughts Okay, question number one, do you believe okay. it? Yes, 1,000%. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> do, you think, do you think that the president will ever actually have to use it? I do not. Again, I think that, um, well, maybe, I don't know. I think that if there's ever a war, 
I don't think it's going to be with aliens. I think it's going to be like with actual like other countries like Russia Aww. or something. Yeah. No aliens? No aliens. I think that there will be aliens. I don't think there'll be like a war that we're terrified of them for. Mm. Yeah. As I said man, in the I alien hope, episode. <laughs> man, I sure hope they're chill like we expect they are. Oh, I hope so. It'll be very interesting to see. But. No, I, I love that. And, yeah. And uh, I think it's super interesting. And like I've I've... I've heard a few different conspiracy theories about the Denver airport. I've heard that like, it's like a portal to like a different dimension. I've heard that like, I've heard that like the paintings are like arranged weirdly. I've heard that there's like a really creepy statue somewhere there. Oh, Um, oh yeah. Isn't like a horse with red eyes or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. It's creepy. In live action, I am going to Google this fine, fine horse. Um, Let's see, Denver airport horse oh yep it was a third uh third option oh man that's terrifying it's scary right don't like that but yeah no that was i love that one Dell. that was a good pick and okay let me What's think yours? about what my first one will be Dell, have you ever heard of the roanoke colony yes I have. This is a great theory. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So to the uninitiated, the Roanoke colony was one of the early um, colonies in America. Um, They came over in their own ship, I believe. Um, This was either around before or after Jamestown, like really early in American history. And they were just this re- regular colony. And then I guess um, England stopped hearing back from this colony. So when other colonies came like in the vicinity, they went to investigate Roanoke mm-hmm. and they found some weird things. Okay. They found that no one was there. They found that logs had been cut up and stacked just randomly. That's weird. And that the only thing that was left was a inscription on a tree with the letters C-R-O-A-T-A-N, Croatan. Oh. So, okay, there's, there's, there's a couple different theories for what happened to these people. Um, obviously, the prevailing theory is that it was a, a raid by indigenous people. And that they either kidnapped the colony and kind of kept them prisoner, or maybe people in the colony left to live with these Native American peoples, or that they were all killed. Wow. But if they were all just slaughtered, I feel like their bodies would just have been hanging there. Right. So they, they clearly disappeared. Um, I mean, the fun, the fun one is, what if aliens took them and did all that weird stuff? But uh, I think that here's, here's one thing I'll warn people about in terms of conspiracy theories. A lot of times, conspiracy theories are used as an excuse to be racist. Oh, okay. Tell me more. Okay. So um, there's a lot of people who like say, like, oh, how did the Egyptians build the pyramids. Well, first of all, we know how they built it. 
with pulley systems and like they were the most advanced civilization on earth but i digress um but but some people are like oh it must have been aliens that lifted those heavy stone blocks to build the pyramids for them and what it tends to be is it tends to be white people saying that oh this brown civilization couldn't have possibly built this by themselves they weren't intelligent enough and that's kind of the breeding ground for like racist conspiracy theories so watch out for that when you're like looking up this stuff like it's super fun but like just be vigilant yes i think um, that's an issue with a lot i think a lot of times that's the conspiracy theory, like you said are used to kind of put like a racist twist on things to kind of mm keep the stigma alive which i don't appreciate yeah because yeah, like humans unfortunately have prejudice and it manifests itself in some really weird ways sometimes yes but um going back to the roanoke theory um okay so i'm of two minds of this because on one hand no trace of these people were ever found again like, no one knows what happened to these people. Like, oh. um, at least in terms of what I know, and I, I, I looked it up, the last time I looked it up was a year or two ago, but like, no, no remains or anything have been found. And I don't believe any indigenous tribe ever took credit for it or were like, oh yeah, these people are just chilling with us. So... Here's my personal theory. My personal theory is that um, they made contact with an indigenous tribe that was small enough to where there would not be very many records of them. And obviously we know from uh, manuscripts and history that living in America as a colonist was not a fun thing. A lot of people died and those posh English settlers did not know how to survive very well. So it makes sense that if a small tribe were to make contact with these settlers and the settlers are like, hey, these people kind of know what they're doing. Um, let's just ally ourselves with them. And so they um, kind of move in with them in essence. And they left the name of the tribe Croatan on the tree to kind of tell people like, oh yeah, this is, this is what happened. This is the name of the tribe. And no one knows what that word is because no one has ever heard of that small of a tribe. At least that's mm -hmm. my fun theory that is not backed by any historical data. I think I've actually heard that before. Oh, really? What? I think I, ha I can't remember. Maybe it was from you, but I don't think it was. I think it was from somewhere else. Oh, the theory, the theory that uh, the, it was just an unknown indigenous tribe? Yeah, but, also, uh, well, no, maybe I misheard you. But the theory that um, the settlers were, um, got, I don't know exactly how it goes. I think the, the, the main theory is that they got bored and intermingled yeah. with um, the natives and created mm -hmm. like a new um, uh, tribe. And that tribe oh. is like known in the U.S. It's like it's oh. like because um, there's a lot of tribes that like, have like, like a mixed tribe. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure about the the most uh, cultural appropriate way of saying that, which is why I was stuttering. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. But I think yes. mixed is cool. Okay. Yes. Yeah, like um, and so I think that's um, 
I've heard that theory before, so I don't know. It's interesting. I would yeah, like that, to know. I'm super yeah, curious. I, I want to know what happened to them so bad. And it sucks because we really can't know. It's like it's not like because like yep. the Denver airport. I think one day it'll come out. Like you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, like in some kind like, of government file. Exactly. Um, speaking of government conspiracy theories, I have another one for when we finish yes. up this, this one. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. So I have heard this theory in the past year and a half, and it is about good old Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where I reside. Oh, man. I know. So Chattanooga is known, apparently, for having one of the best internet and cellular like services in the entire country. Yeah, they put it on the signs. Yes. And that like for me like i don't know maybe I'm just maybe i'm just not skeptical but i was like oh, okay we have great internet cool like yeah. no big deal but then as i was talking with a friend of mine they told me that they heard a rumor so this is not very like publicly known i've only heard this conspiracy theory a few times but they heard a rumor that in the mountains i think there's a mountain called raccoon mountain i think near here mm-hmm. underneath that mountain there's a bunch of bunkers and what? they think the government has something planted there and that's why the service here is so good and the Wi-Fi is so good is because they need like that internet connection to be strong to do their governmently business. Ooh. Whack, fun. right? Yeah. Out there, far out. But it was a very interesting. So now I feel like I'm living like in a special place, even though it's just, you know, Chattanooga. <laughs> You're living on sacred government ground. Sacred ground. <laughs> oh, that's so fun yes do you believe it um i'm on the fence i believe i'm on the fence i think honestly that chattanooga what i think is going on is chattanooga is like an up-and-coming city and we know it's rapidly growing we're expanding like significantly all the time our airport just expanded i think that chattanooga knows that they're an up-and-coming town they want to be like the next nashville and that they're investing into things like good internet and good like um because Nashville's a great vacation spot i think yeah. chattanooga is got their eyes and being a great like living place like a place yeah, to i was live. about to say hot take i like chattanooga way more than nashville yes and like nashville is fun to go for like a weekend and like yeah bar hop or like go to the clubs and stuff like that it's literally a bachelor party town it literally is and so a bachelorette like, bachelorette too yes that's fun actually one of my best friends got married and i'm friends with him and so i couldn't go to the bachelor party but all like a bunch of the groomsmen and i and him i say bunch it was two groomsmen me and him <laughs> went to nashville <laughs> just to party it was so much fun but anyway Back to Chattanooga. So I think that that's why the Wi-Fi is so good. It's actually to make it more appealing, not so much the government. But it still has my interest peaked. We got to go investigate the mountain the next time I'm down there. Yes, definitely. <laughs> go, go dig into the bunkers. Because that, that sounds like a conspiracy theory that we wouldn't get shot for knowing. Right, exactly. <laughs> but speaking of getting shot for knowing something, let's talk about my second one. Okay, hit me. All right, so this is a fairly new one, but it's predicated on, like, old conspiracy theories. So, did you hear, I think it was uh, either last year or the year before, um, this Israeli former retired general, he's like a very high-ranking military officer, came out and said that then-sitting President Donald Trump had received communication from aliens. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do we believe it? So, 
so okay this this general i mean he's he's a real like israeli general like he's older um but he's like listen like i am not the only reason i'm coming forward with this now is like i don't fear any repercussions anymore like uh, i feel like the people need to know and to get into a few of the details um the aliens that contacted trump were friendly they wanted to kind of just barter and like kind of be peaceful um and they already have a research facility set up on mars where human scientists from earth are currently hanging out with these alien scientists and they're trying to like fix problems and trump allegedly knows about this and that trump wanted to tell the american public about these aliens but he was convinced not to because it would cause too much panic. Oh. This is some wild stuff. And like, this is obviously predicated on the idea that like the US government has dealt with aliens for forever and that presidents have known about them for forever. But obviously, if that were ever to come to life, then like a lot of things would probably change. Gotcha, wow. In a scary way. Yes. Wow. I don't know. I that I think we need to do an aliens part two with like conspiracy <laughs> theories attached because that's like, yes. interesting. Isn't there like Alien also conspiracy like theory. isn't there a place like out west that they think that the aliens are being studied? What's it called? There was like oh, a Area Fifty One. Area Fifty One. Yes, I want to do like a whole thing on that too. Ooh. Should we just we like, just have to find a... some way? We have to find some way to cram religion into that to keep our base engaged. Should we just like start a new podcast in addition to this one called Conspiracy Theories where we just talk about conspiracy theories? Yes. <laughs> just like, all right, all right. It'll be an exclusive like Patreon. Like you have to pay us five bucks a month to hear that podcast. Yes. Because it's mostly just going to be us like shooting the breeze about <laughs> these things. Yep. Yep. But yeah, I mean, um, personally, what do I think? Yeah. Um, all right, let's just let's just start state right off the bat, um, kind of treating every episode as its own like self-contained thing. I do not think of Donald Trump as a person who would be able to keep that type of a secret. Yeah, I know you're or right. Has the, or has the capability to keep such a secret mm-hmm. because the man is a blabbermouth and regardless of your political affiliation, I think you could agree. Um, yeah. So I highly doubt anybody could have stopped him from spilling the tea. No, I agree. about aliens. Um, and there's a lot of reasons. Like this former disgruntled Israeli general could be like spouting off this stuff. Like could be as like political motivations. Um, he wants to like cast doubt on like his own government because he's like disillusioned by them because um, there's a lot of turmoil over there, obviously. Um, so I think there are just too many factors that we don't know in order to like have any clarity on this. But I will extend this question to you, Del. Yes. Do you think that the U.S. government has ever come into contact with real, actual aliens? Yes. All right. Can you, can you give a little, a little detail? Yes. So... I think, and I was just like, yes, no. <laughs> yes, think, and then we end episode. <laughs> I think that there has been contact um, with, uh, sorry, I don't know if you guys can tell my phone just like blew up. I'm turning it on to do not disturb. Okay. Oh, you're um, fine. I didn't I, hear a thing. Oh, good. I'm glad. I think that, yes, we've had contact with aliens. 
I don't know whether or not those like that contact has been like I don't know if they've been to this planet or not but I definitely think mm. they've been good communication because I imagine just personally that there are more uh, like there's more worlds out there than just ours yes. and mm-hmm. I would imagine that they're curious as to ours and I like I would imagine they would be communicating with us just as just a personal opinion I don't think that they are fallen into sin like we are and so I think it's like a little bit different than us Mm, kind of mixing in some classic uh Avenist Ellen White terminology into your beliefs oh really oh yeah that's what she believes she believed that there were a bunch of unfallen worlds out there really yeah I'm here for that another conspiracy theory um (laughs) so I well I do think that so that's interesting that she thinks there you go Maybe that's where I got it from. Who knows? But maybe subconscious. Yes, I think that they have definitely communicated with us. I also think that the devil may have also done that. Like I'm not sure Mm. if it's actual aliens or if it's just, you know, the the paranormal Satan screwing with us. Exactly, because I think that he screws with us a lot more than we realize. Like a lot more than we realize. And so, Mm. yeah. What do you think? Um. I find it doubtful oh. that up to this point aliens have communicated with us. Okay. Um, because I think that I think that there's overall more the government doesn't tell us than we actually realize. And I think that what that by and large is is what weapons they develop and okay. what technology they're trying to crack. And I think all of these like flying saucers, UFOs and stuff is like highly experimental like technology that they either goof up and like get seen using or um it's just something that they can't quite control yet um but there's okay if i if i had to put a number on it i think the united states is about 30 years more advanced than we actually think we are okay i like that because i mean the internet was invented in like the 40s by the military we know this. And it wasn't implemented into society until like late 70s, early 80s. That's a great point. So like the government, the U.S. is on the bleeding edge of technology. And I mean, other, yeah. other nations are too. But the U.S. has the capital to back it up. Yes, I, I, I can support that. I think you might be right about that. That's very interesting. Now, the real question is if like some kind of nuclear war would break out would the U.S. whip out some insane gadget that actually protected us from nuclear fallout? Right. That'd be impressive. Yeah. Um, but you never know until you know. You never know. So yeah, Dell, what is your final word on conspiracy, conspiracy theory? Final word conspiracy theories. Um, ooh, final word. That's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> As um, they all are. As they all are. I love conspiracy theories. So if you are listening to this and you know me, send me your conspiracy theories because I want yes. to hear about them. DM me too. Yes. And um, the other thing is, there's nothing wrong with listening to conspiracy theories. I think we are kind of brainwashed in religion to think that we can only absorb religious material. But Ooh. these kind of things are not problematic to absorb, I don't think. So absorb away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that I think that very few things are problematic to absorb as long as you're intellectually like engaging with them and kind of like breaking them down yes. as you go. And like, oh, 
Pro- like instead of like absorbing, maybe properly digesting them. Properly digesting. This is like a foreshadow to our future topic, which we've discussed having about the sinful or not sinful nature of media. Oh man, that one that one's been looming on the horizon for a while. It has. It has. One day. One day. One day. <laughs> well, Dell, this has been an excellent episode, as it always. Has. Lots I of discussion. Love, I love shooting the breeze with you and uh, breaking it down and hopefully making some people angry and making some other people feel seen. As do I. It's been a lovely episode. Because the worst possible outcome for this is people feel just meh about what we say. That is true. We weren't really that offensive. So you're either meh or you're thrilled. So I think it's a positive note. Yeah. So as always, this has been Deconstructing. I am one of your hosts, Curtis Cooper. And I am your other host, Delaney. Stay loose. Stay loose.